welcome to the We're All Fucked podcast hosted by me, Derry Owen. And me, Dan's Grace. This is a podcast designed to try and take a light-hearted take on the ridiculousness of society as we know it and wonder how we all find a way to carry on, even though we know deep down we're all fucked. Each episode, we'll be looking at a particular topic, having a laugh and a cry along the way, dragging along a few guests with us for the ride. Remember to rate us and subscribe so you never miss our rounds. Hello, there we is, do it. So, hi, Danielle. Danielle. It's weird, that is it, Welsh. Like, even we just pronounce it differently, even though you've got a stupid name, like Daniel. <laughs> it's <laughs> silly, isn't it? Daniel. Yeah, I'm all right, I think. I think. We, we call this on a Monday, which is is a bad day, really, because I'm trying to think of the percentage of good Mondays I have. And, you know, it's it's single digits. It's single digits. But I'm, I think, I'm... do you find that before you come on to record, you just, all right, I've just, oh, yeah, okay, I've got to do this. But you always feel better afterwards. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And I, I also have a really different experience of Mondays compared to you because I have class normally on a Tuesdays. So Monday is my day before class. And because of like the pattern of the work, we get assigned new work on Tuesday to submit by the following Monday. And therefore, Monday is like my submit and revise day. So it's normally, on average, a bit more of a chill day compared to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So it's like it's it's a kind of generally a nicer day for me. Um, You've got yeah. easier in it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, I'm I'm in exam period at the moment, so none of that really applies. Monday is as brutal as any other day. <laughs> and here we are. We've got our brains. Therefore, in uh, maybe we, we, it's a good day to have the brain in um, in rant mode, oh, which Jesus. I feel yeah, which yeah. I feel mine is probably in, which is in most <laughs> days really. So uh, go on, Dan. Your uh, your topico. My topico, indeed. Yeah, the topico for today. <laughs> for head you, I'm head you, a D, gender. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, we just created, this season is just full of hot potatoes, yeah. sack, sackable yeah. offences. Like, I, like... I was sat on the sofa earlier with, with Jodie and I was saying, oh, I've got to come up with a topic. And, she, and I was like, I mentioned it and she was like, yeah, aren't you going to piss off everyone with that? <laughs> 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 It's gonna no be worse way. than abortion. I think it's, <laughs> but 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 also this. I, I, I didn't mean that. I, it could it could be this. It's just gonna be basically forty to fifty minutes of that now. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I mean, I, I think it is one of those where I was kind of like, I picked it because it has a very broad scope. Um, it's obviously a very contentious area at the moment. There's a lot of uh, bile and politics being sloshed around all over the internet and elsewhere. And I think that you know it's it's a it's a good topic for a couple of straight white males to, to talk about, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to bring their undoubted years of expertise. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually had like a proper decent discussion with anyone about gender because I still feel it's it is one of them that is is quite tough to have just because people are, are just not willing to engage with it. I don't think a lot. Maybe it's me just kind of like. Um, assuming that I, th- I think there's a, 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 a an aspect that you're scared that 
if he just asked the question, which I don't know how he'd even ask it, what do you think about gender or gender neutral <laughs> toilets? And you just scared that person to turn, oh, don't get me fucking started on that. And then, yeah, no, I get you, I get you. Why did you even start? So you just end up not talking about it. So, again, this is how useful this podcast is. So I am happy you brought it up. I think this. This, this, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to discuss about it. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> let's go indeed. I mean, there's there's a few kind of obvious bits. There is, there is, as you say, the whole kind of trans thing and the concept of gender. And I wanted to obviously touch on that. But um, so, yeah, there, there is obviously the whole gender identity thing. And I do want to cover that. But maybe a bit later on, because I think there's there's less obvious things uh, to, to cover. And I was initially thinking about two things, expectations on women um, in terms of childbirth, in terms of child rearing and so on, and also um, expectations of male identity and how that's changed over the generations. You're coming at it from that aspect then, and what kind of like gender expectations then, uh, like identity, you know, well, I, I, mean, I, I really want us to cover um, trans issues and, and, you know, LGBTQ, IA type plus type stuff. But I, th- I think that I really I want us to include in gender um, okay. topics around kind of basically, I guess, gender typing and expectations around gender roles. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that like. I, I. You and I strike me as quite typical examples of people that would generally consider themselves fairly not gender neutral but sort of quite open and quite sort of like not metrosexual but you know fairly in touch with our feminine sides but at the same time i would also say that we're fairly strongly gender typed so even though i'm quite open-minded i I don't own a pink shirt (laughs) (laughs) which is the scientific uh it's the tick box for progressiveness in the gender arena yeah yeah exactly exactly and i've never wanted to wear a pink shirt either it's just for me. Double. i own one i own one yeah really like a yes. like a, an out and out like a fuchsia a salmon and no, no, about? no, it's pink it's a pink short-sleeved linen number which i sometimes rock in summer months Wow. Okay. Well, when I come yeah. up in the summer, I'll uh, I'll be expecting you to wear that. that I that will with exciting. pride. With, with pride, <laughs> sir. I'll I'll be wearing probably black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah. No. I mean, it is is one of those things where I think like when when I was studying social psychology, I think it was social psychology, studying social psychology back in my undergrad, and kind of we were talking about this and talking about gender typing and talking about how gender is a social construct and yeah. i thought about it i thought like well my my parents you know they never really strongly enforced a, a male way of being or a female way of being they're quite chilled with me but as i kind of realized it was like actually no like i have quite a sort of defined idea of what my identity is as a man um and i've i've you know some fairly sort of judgmental thoughts at least about myself and about my own kind of like what i should be as a man and you know my 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 level of comfort, for example, with crying or with my own emotions is, I'd say, a little bit stunted. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those. Like, I mean, you you come, I mean, would you consider yourself from a farming background? Would you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I suppose so, yeah. Like, it's very traditional Welsh family 
that is I've still very much got those traditional gender values kind of you know seeping through it there's no doubt about that um i'm not not i, I you know i'm i'm obviously i wasn't about where you know with a lot of my grandparents and so to compare my my parental dynamic to what their parental dynamic was and i, I just wondered to myself is it a kind of a diet version you know d- d- is every generation a slightly lighter dieter so I, it's it's hard for me to compare, but I, it's tough for me to believe. I, I I suppose I suppose it is. Um, but I yeah I I do. I think I, I, again you don't know whether you you're thinking of a young situation. Like I think the gap between us and our parents mm. is the biggest gap. I think potentially um, you know that has been in many many generations i've got no evidence to prove yeah. that but it's just yeah. like a gut feeling that i have uh and from like the friends and people that i know about like the level of probably the amount you have to it's gonna not like not drastically like change your behavior or the way you speak or or you know or, or outwardly represent your values in front of your parents more than probably what you do towards your your friends you know yeah sure 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 so give give me a practical example of that what exactly you know what you're talking about there well it's just the basic stuff like swearing i suppose you know oh, okay you yeah, know yeah. it is the basic stuff where you'd probably want to go and rant off about something and like with your friends you'd be effing and jeffing but with your parents to be like oh, uh, and your brain knows. Kind of, if you go into the the house, generally it'll just like switch off swearing. Used to do that for me all the time. Um, <laughs> so the, the, this stuff like that. A few things about relationships uh, was obviously the big one, where you know we we might be going up at a period where you might be dating somebody, obviously potentially sleeping with them very early on, uh, which was you know a lot of our parental generation was still struggling with that really yeah, repressed yeah. sexually because they're coming from a, a traditional household with a lot of religion behind it and so again you were out dating but you weren't really able to present that in its true form almost to your parents yeah, yeah, yeah. you're having to yeah, tailor yeah. that story to match their expectations and they kind of created a bit of a um yeah it, it, it was a painful thing really to probably go through just because of that gap i like to think now having kids and when they grow up yes there's even more differences coming uh and, and happening now um yeah. all of which i think are, are, is is a good idea of course that's not and use that the blanket statements think that everybody's going to be like that but i like to think that they won't be changing that much they probably will they obviously will be changing a little bit and you know I'm not going to be their mate. I'm their dad at the end of the day, but it's going to be a lot less of of them. I think tailoring, you know, their behaviour towards like our millennial type. Parents, no, I, I, I get, what, I get what you mean. You sort of, you sort of feel that maybe there's a kind of. Do you feel in saying that about that that there's a kind of end goal? Or there's a kind of not a nirvana, but a kind of point where you think, well, you know, are we? as a society reaching a point where we're trying to treat people as equals that broadly out there there is still going to be oppression and and, you know people being cruel to each other but in terms of your own family unit 
you know you feel that your views about gender or about you know sexuality etc are going to be um reasonably well aligned with what your children's views are going to be that they're not necessarily going to have much longer of the trail to run um yeah i think that point i think so of course because the more open-minded and more accepted you know everything is becoming in society in general the better that's going to be because you know if if you have a child that you know is experiencing one of those issues whether they are trans whether they're gay whether they're i don't know whether it's a guy who wants to dance you know whatever that's a very bad example yeah, yeah, you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> oh but who's it, dancing men who's it's... dancing men <laughs> really shit example i'm sorry uh or like a woman who wants to be a mechanic or whatever you know it, <laughs> no yeah it's, it's just that that thing but beforehand they were they they would be even worried to bring that up to their parents oh no, i get you i get feel you. ostracized they'd feel worse they feel shit well i think because it's getting more accepted uh, generally, then it's going to, yeah, I think it's going to, it is a big positive, I think, of society. I think I've covered it in previous podcasts where I think we're living over this massive generational shift um, that's happening in such a small amount of time. The amount of differences is huge. And, yeah, I'd like to think that they could be surrounded by a lot more things than, than we were yeah 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 i think so definitely i mean i've i've definitely i think i i can't remember the year that i sat gcse's but i think it was something like no did i i think i made did i finish six form in 2007 it's not that long ago it's like less than 20 years ago and you kind of look at that and you think about the number of people in our in my year that were gay or trans i think literally there was maybe one or two people that were out as gay and since we finished, I know of one person that has now come out as trans and several yeah. more that have come out as gay and think, well, you know, we have we have progressed a lot since then because, you, you know, you look even 10 years down the line, my brother and the number of friends that he has who are, you know, sort of dabbling or, or certainly more open or more fluid about their gender, about their sexuality, just more comfortable with the concept of just not necessarily fitting tightly within a box. Whereas yeah. for me, like, I I wouldn't, I don't think I'd ever want to, like, dress up as a woman or, or like, I don't think I'd ever, never felt like I, I'd be a woman, never felt like I wanted to be gay, I don't think. I think wanted to be gay. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember in our school, you know. Oh, you're gay. It was. It was. It was always. It was. was It was a slur. Yeah, Yeah, it was a slur. Obviously, I hope that's not happening today and stuff. You'd like overtly try and ensure then that you were doing could not be conceived as gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you didn't yeah, want yeah. to be called gay. You know, it's yeah. really bad looking back. And this is not that long ago. You know, I hope to God that's still not happening now. Um, but oh, but it was quite normal. That point is, it is horrific. And knowing that there was obviously these gay children walking around, and she's like, oh my God, how shit must they have felt? And the effect yeah. that it has on you, you know, it was like, um, not, I was not always like, I, no, I was horrific. You know, as this, mm. the, oh, he's not had a girlfriend. He must be gay. Well, so what? You know, genuinely, genuinely, like not well. Even past school, I've taken the mick out of like cousins of mine where they've been like they've not had a girlfriend and they've been like going into like their late teens, early twenties, whatever, no sign of a partner. And I, I not laid into them, not like you know mean or anything, but just ripped the piss out of them. There was like I remember one 
it was one Christmas do, and I set up like a, I fraped my cousin and set up a Facebook event as like his coming out party with a nice rainbow flag and stuff. And it's like, yeah, dick move, Daniel. Dick move. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> looking back, isn't it? And you were yeah. probably pissing yourself while you were doing it. Oh, it was hilarious. I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of troubling and stuff, really. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. But even, even looking around, like I was in Manchester um, a few weeks ago, and listen, you know, we've discussed it before. I'm still in North Wales, you know, especially Anglesey. You know, yes, there's there's progression, but not at the rate and not as visible uh, in your face as it is going to a city. And mm. it was insane, really, um, in a good Where way. Where did you go in Manchester? Camden I was in the city. Yeah, and city it was in the centre. City centre, really. Yeah, we were going to watch a comedy gig in the print works. So it was very city centre. And, yeah, the, the amount of people... Uh, walking around, they were clearly dressing in a way that was, you know, gender fluid, um, you, you know, uh, you know, yeah, and just like expressing how they feel was was quite refreshing to see, really. So I think, well, these kids now are growing up and they're just seeing this, you know, yeah. all the time. Uh, they're watching films and TV shows where the representation is generally very good or much better than it used to be. So it's just going to be totally normalised. Yeah. But, but I suppose like one question that I have, though, is... And again, this might be me having an utopia thing about our generation, like a millennial stuff. And I, I, it might be because it's a bit of an echo chamber and there is obviously going to be a lot of people in the millennium, millennial thing that are still going to be struggling with the progressiveness and they're going to be against you know, fluidity, etc. But do you, first of all, think that there is, am I correct in thinking that there is a marked change in our generation from kind of the previous? And the most interesting question about is, is, is why... Because if we have grown up with our parents being generally more, you know, conservative, and we've grown up in schools, playgrounds, etc., that has, you know, you're gay and all this, and not be surrounded much by any gender neutrality, and and anyone who would be dressing like a woman would be like, oh my god, yeah. Like, how was that generation? If you agree that it has improved, how how was that generation managed to? to challenge those thoughts and give rise because that's a really positive thing and how has that happened i i, I mean I'd, I'd agree that i think it has happened um i i don't really fully understand it because it is a real seismic shift isn't it it's, yeah it really is i mean it's it's a weird one because it's sort of you know you think back like you don't think back neither of us think back we're too young but the aids crisis of the 80s and you know the kind of the amount of hostility towards gay men um yeah. and just hostility toward you know against anyone that isn't heterosexual at all is is being horrific in the not too distant past and then you know within a kind of relatively short number of school years you've got people who are kind of discussing these concepts and talking about them and it certainly wasn't the influence of the fucking curriculum was it it wasn't the the school curriculum going this is a more open and and kind way to talk about these issues you know if, if anything it was the opposite you know you're it's seeing... people power is it simple yeah. as that and as people getting together uh, the, you know lgbtq groups uh you know fe- feminists etc uh, and just is, is it as simple as that I, I would I would say so, and, and kind of key yeah. key people kind of redefining the battleground by just being out and being proud and pushing. And I think there's still, you know, I mean, wasn't it last year that the very first 
gay footballer came out and I, yeah, for, the, yeah. for the benefit of the podcast, I just use bunny ear quotes um, because obviously there's there's many, many more um, men playing football that are gay than just that bloke. I think it was a bloke from Australia, if, if memory serves me correctly. Well, if 10% people are homosexuals, there's a homosexual in every team on average, yeah? Yeah, yeah exactly, 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 unless five aside, in which case, you know, at least two of them probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, the other thing I wanted to cover on, because I and I'm aware that this is, I mean, we've already got quite a sensitive topic there, but you know, even more sensitive topic is the issue of trans identity, and there seems to be a kind of massive spat, real kind of institutional divide between the people that think gender should just be whatever people want it to be. And then other people who are like, no, you can only be a woman if X, Y, Z, or you can only be a man if X, Y, Z. And it just yeah. feels a little bit, I don't know, to me, it's a little bit ridiculous because I've, I've yeah. always gone with the idea that like, if you, if your genitals interact with it, like take toys, for example, you've got girl toys and you've got boy toys. And if you actually need your genitals to interact with that toy in some way in order for it to use it for it to be of purpose, then fair enough, that is a girl toy or a boy toy or, you know, a cock toy or a vagina toy. But with 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 this, no, because it's true, it's true. It's like we, we have these real kind of cold, hard divides between what is a girl and what is a boy. And yeah. fundamentally, it doesn't matter, like it's especially not in Toys R Us. No. I mean I'm not I'm not about to go into a story of how I got caught in aisle three with something down my pants. I, that that did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean it just I just find it bizarre. Like I was I was in Aberystwyth yeah. Uni a few years ago and went to the toilets and they had gender neutral toilets. And I was really like I was really surprised and I was like, Oh, oh this is this is cool. This is new. Yeah. And it was just standard. And it was just like, Oh, this is great. This is really good. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. Are, are you, does that mean that you're just finding that, from your opinion, it's you can whatever if you what you know if if I think I'm a woman, yeah, I I could just got yeah I'm a woman. Yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm but like I I don't even I I don't really get you know when people say oh he's a trans man or she's a trans woman, like I just like if you want to identify as a woman or a man and that's genuinely like how you identify you're not just saying it as a joke or to take the piss or whatever and fair enough you know like okay. i i'm i'm not going to be the person how who am i to decide what gender you are? <laughs> like i have no fucking clue. yeah yeah i agree like, with you i do with india absolutely yeah <laughs> and it is it is a contract yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and it just it just seems so silly it's just really like it's bizarre but there's having said that like i i I think it's one of those things where for myself, I don't feel like you were saying before, like, oh, how do you bring this up? Like, I don't feel that comfortable having these conversations generally a lot of the time because it's just it's a very sensitive topic. And I think a lot of the time it comes from a lot of pain and trauma because people it's still. LGB have made so much progress, people who are lesbian, gay or bisexual there's there's so much more acceptance of those identities but trans i feel you know you've only got to look at the how the how it's being treated in legislation now 
and how it's you know how the mass media are dealing with it as a topic they're not dealing with it in the same way that they treated gays a few years ago where it was like really pushed and we had the whole kind of um what do you call it marriage the civil civil partnership stuff like yeah it's not that at all it's like it's you know it's kind of things along oh well if we go for gender neutral toilets or we allow like trans women to go into women's toilets like they're just going to rape women aren't they that's what they're going to do you know men will just identify as women so they can go in and rape women yeah that's that's always the daily mail argument isn't it they'll always talk about the criminals that are that, yeah. uh, the thing is with that criminals, by the way, not not a tangent with it. You know, like if 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 you are if you if you are convicted of a crime, yeah. the whole idea is that you lose your liberty. In so, certain circumstances, yeah. You know, you know, you you can't do this. So, I surely it's quite a straightforward thing to bring on. Well, from the moment that you are found guilty, you can transition. Would that be a fair? Ooh. I would I would solve that because if it's, if it's part of that you you know you're you're giving up your freedom uh, things like that 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 it should be another thing uh, that you nah. give up. Nah. So you think that a guy can still transition and be moved to a woman's zombie prison? Uh, because in, because freely. I've, I mean, I, it's a very complex area, so I can't give a kind of nice cut and dry answer because there probably isn't one. But effectively, I would say, say, for example, you know, you do have a situation where a man chooses to identify as a woman in order to be able to exploit that. I don't think the issue there is them being trans. I think the issue there is them attacking people. Like, so I don't think it really fundamentally matters what they're identifying as or whether they're identifying someone. And if at some point in their life later on, they want to transition, and that's genuinely something that means a lot to them and that's how they feel, like how they see themselves, then they should be supported to be able to do that because that's a separate issue from them choosing to sexually assault someone. Like their gender identity isn't tied into their desire to sexually assault someone. The issue is they're sexual assaulting. I don't, you know, like they could be a woman, they could be a man. If they're doing that to someone else, that's the problem. Sure, not, but this is not, not me disagreeing with you. This is not me no, disagreeing that, with that. you. Yeah, but yeah. but but the situation I would get if you've got a person who's uh you know been convicted of rape or whatever guy's been convicted of rape and then he's in in jail and then he wants to transition and he needs to move in with women's you could clearly see there's an issue there. And I, I I do understand what you mean that yes, there's an issue, there's the rape thing, that's the issue. But yeah. you, you you can clearly see that they're that there is an issue that that might need some attention. But I mean, I th- I think it's I think it's easy to deal with that in quite a heavy-handed way, and I think that existing safeguarding procedures would deal with that in the same way that, say, for example, you had Barry who had who was a member of Gang X and really didn't like people from Gang B and was being moved to such and such wing, and there was members of Gang B on that wing. Like that would be dealt with in a normal kind of safeguarding way of like, how do we keep them separate? How do we, you know, how do we minimize the level of risk? You would just do with that with it because it, it's not about their their gender identity. It's about their level of risk that they pose okay. to their fellow inmates. Okay. Um, that's okay. that's how I'd address that. Yeah, that, that, that's that's fair enough. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. But very, I, I, very think, I think I think I think that that example 
is often pulled up. Yeah. The to- toilet I, example and the prison example yeah. is the typical. Yeah, and I don't if. want to be a Daily Mail soundboard. Like, I do understand mm, that mm. that is just like, it's just the classic thing to create, you know, shit and create a debate that, yeah. you know, a, a debate here and, and a change to make it looser would just improve the lives of potentially millions of people. Doesn't okay. hurt as a second. And so why are you bringing that down to such stupid issues? Well, not stupid issues, but issues or rare issues such as that. But, but and I, th- I think this is kind of like, you know, it's sort of frustrating in a way because you look at this kind of issue and you, you know, the far more important thing is the incidence of suicide and the incidence of mental health and the incidence of like, you know, people really struggling with, finding work or keeping work or whatever having having healthy happy lives because they're not provided with the adequate support early on the thing that i find really fascinating is how someone would know and what you know uh, like in terms of their journey like how early on should you be able to transition like there was there's i don't i haven't read up on it but the scottish legislation that they're they were trying to push through um or they have pushed through is the whole like reducing it to 16 so that you can transition earlier and get better support earlier and whilst i kind of broadly support that because people that support it i broadly agree with them on most issues so they're probably right about that and you know broadly speaking the people who i kind of know and engage with and and kind of you know are trans I will generally think, well, you know, they, they support it. So therefore, it's probably, you know, it's probably a broader positive to it. it I just find it interesting because I've never been in that in those yeah. shoes before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. It's like most of the top <laughs> we, <laughs> we haven't experienced it ourselves. And, and But the people that certainly have the debates and writing the legislation are so far away from the football pitch. And they're just coaching these players on the pitch when they don't even really understand the laws of the game. You know, it's yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. And but it's they, being backed they, up by the, the media who wants to sell newspapers, who's creating these unbelievable stories. The fucking yeah, news channels yeah. are picking up for it and running it. And it's just really, really tough. And it's yeah. uh, it's a disgrace, really, in many ways. Yeah, no, it's, it's hilarious. I mean, it is, I think it's kind of, one of the big differences between us and sort of, you know, Westminster, should we say, is that we don't really know what we're talking about, but at least we don't make decisions about how other people's lives should of be. Of course, yeah, 100%. <laughs> that is terrifying, isn't it? You know, bloody hell. What, what, about, what about the female expectation of pregnancy? In, yeah, and I mean that in terms of kind of, as a, as a very young woman, no one expects you to have a child. But as you get older, there is an increasing expectation on you to be biologically productive. Do you kind of, you know, how how do you think that that interacts with gender now, you know, nowadays in 2023 compared to, say, 2013, 2003, 1993? Well, yeah, it's even worse, isn't it? I think in, in some ways, because uh, here we go, um, the, the economy and the capitalism, <laughs> capitalist society that we work in, um, and, and the fact that you need two jobs in the vast majority of cases to be able to sustain a family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which means the woman will have to work. And they're also fighting the battle of, uh, you know, battling for equality in the workplace. 
Mm. Uh, and and of course, to do that, they're going to delay, you know, childbirth even more. And they, I don't, I don't have, I don't even have the facts, but I'm guessing the average age of a mum now has has increased a lot. Yeah, you know, from sure. what from what it was as well. Um, and and I think layering on top of that, kind of like the disposability of relationships. I mean, this is a, a different topic in itself. So I think I think women have got to kind of deal with that as well within the age of Tinder, where where you know men can probably think that you know there's a menu here of women that I can go through. So I can yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. I can again, but imagine that it's just absolutely fucking horrific um, to have to kind of deal with and make a question around like number one. Do I really need kids? And then if they if or do I want kids? And if they want kids, then having to do the and it is a sacrifice, you know. It you know, we we could dress it up however we want, but if they take six months to a year old work, that you know, somebody else or a guy who's on the same role is going to gonna fill their job. It's gonna fill their job, are gonna make yeah. progress, and they're gonna lose out on it. So um yeah, it, it, it is a big. It, I, I can only, I can only imagine. To be honest with you, um, it's something that we as guys don't don't really have to deal with, and I, I am thankful in a way um, <laughs> that, because it is an absolute shit um, situation to be in. But I, but you... I, but I think because we've layered beforehand, you know, and I'll go back one generation, mm. we'll see the volume of the kind of housewives and etc. that existed. Now then. There's a, there's a temptation to look at that as like you know they always wanted to be housewives you know and of course probably yeah. they didn't it was just maybe the expectation you stay here you know a lot of them yeah, might be sure. absolutely fine with it and a lot of them might be fine with it because it was the norm yeah. uh, but again we are in that time of when we're uh, when we're supposed to be all things to all people and we're in that transitional phase where. And, and this does extend a little bit to men as well, but obviously, and there's somebody focusing on women here as well now on on the childbirth side. They're supposed to do everything, you know. They're supposed yeah. to be yeah. uh, uh, to, to to be there for the children. They're supposed to have a career. They have to have a career in the capitalist society for us to to survive. And then you need two jobs, two incomes usually. So it's an absolute shit box, really. Yeah. To be totally honest with you, <laughs> that's a good phrase. Yeah. It's an absolute shit box. I mean, when when you when you were having your first did you take what, what time did you take off for paternity leave i got this well this is the thing <laughs> so paternity leave rights for men is two weeks is, is two weeks but there is what could only be described as an algorithm to find out whether you are eligible or not so you have to i and don't take this with a bait and bit something like you need to have been employed by the company for at least 26 weeks by the time that like six months of the pregnancy is gone or something like that there's the right okay, i get you i get you yeah so so basically i at the time when i was in my workplace wasn't eligible for paternity leave but i actually like submitted a letter to hr to be fair with the support of my manager and i was awarded it Oh, um, that's good. I, I was only just shy. He was about like a couple of weeks shy, so right. I just took off the minimum two weeks, um, kind yeah, of yeah. kind of thing, really. But like, kind of like we had the discussion about when we were expecting the first about what we wanted to to do, what our roles looked like. And my partner was was quite open in the fact that that, that she would really like to be a stay at home mum. She would, uh, or she wouldn't. She would. Oh, fair play. Okay. She, she would like to. So um, obviously we haven't. So w- once we had that conversation, we kind of knew then that 
you know, you can make the decision then, can't you? If they say, oh, no, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle here of a career and I really don't need to let go, then obviously there are options like shared paternal leave and things like that to consider. But I think yeah. at the one moment, once we knew that, it was always going to be her as much as possible off and then me doing it. But so I can't really, again, compare about people who are, are in the middle of a career and are really focused on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, because because kind of the, way, the way that you've you've kind of handled it there is much more similar to my my grandparents' generation because when my I can't say for certain exactly how old she was, but my gran was quite young when she first had her eldest, my uncle, and she was training to be a nurse. She was, I think, she was in kind of cadets or nursing cadets, or whatever, and then had kind of was going to do her nursing you know, you know, more advanced nursing training. And then she got pregnant and she stopped it all. And she, I don't think, I'm not sure whether she ever worked as a nurse, but she certainly didn't have a career as a nurse. And she was effectively kind of stay at home mum, come farm manager, but, you know, essentially she was the homemaker and, and the, you know, grandpa was the breadwinner. Um, So it is one of those things where it's like, you, we've made a lot of progress, but there's also, I think, through this nuance and subtlety of different choices being made that, you know, hark to the future, but also hark back to how things used to be as well. And yeah. is she, is, I mean, she's she's working now, though, isn't isn't she? You're, yeah, uh, part time. Yeah. 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 So we've managed I mean, to be able to reduce her hours, but we I don't think we still couldn't afford her being totally, totally off, unfortunately. And that's where capitalism comes in. If you if you won the lottery right now or suddenly business went fantastically, would you would you say you'd sit down and together and just say, right, you just stay at home full time now? Yeah, we'd have the conversation about what we want to want to do, obviously, and try to work towards that, I think. But that that I think would still remain a request, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cause I mean, for for me and for me and Joe, I mean, we're not we're not expecting, as far as I'm aware. Um, but it's it's certainly something we've talked about and she's she's very much sort of just wants she wants a career i mean she's talked to very recently about wanting children but for us it's much like much more of a kind of fraught sort of economy environment relationship stability there's a lot of different reasons why you know now is not the right time you yeah. need a certain amount of like money and stability generally to be able to be like yes this is a good decision and to be honest if i had that level of stability i'd probably go down the adoption agency and be like hello <laughs> yeah kind of thing yeah well yeah that'll be fantastic but of course we're at a time now where the massive big economies i believe top of my head japan china are having mm. a birth rate crisis yeah yeah and, and it's easy to see why um obviously because you know well yeah i don't need to tell you why <laughs> life is shit but you know and and, and a lot of, they've got these schemes that'll give them like a fixed be for getting a child come on why not create an economic system that is friendly and makes people want to actually you know basically give birth to more of your fucking robots you know at the end of the day that's all they're concerned about that's all they're concerned about is the economic machine and there's not enough minions to power it they just don't want to put it in that respect and it's just like, and and, and none, none of them think again. We we covered this in another opportunity. You have countries out there that give twelve month paid maternity leave, and then surely it doesn't take an expert to figure out. Well, those kids are given a great start in life. Yeah. They're yeah, going to have yeah. much rounded mental health. They're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be well socialized. 
um, you know, they're, they're going to, you know, go to groups or whatever, uh, have interaction with, and they're just going to be better citizens in general for that country. But there's so much short termism and, and quick fixing around governments, even even when it comes to, you know, the birth of that country's own children. That's quite it's quite fucking scary and toxic, really. But I think the biggest oh, argument linking this back to your question is like, and the sad question uh, to consider is like, how many of those women slash couples slash men as well want kids? But I feeling they can't because of the economic system. And that is a really, really sad question. And I think that is quite a high number, I'm afraid. Yeah, I should yeah, imagine. Yeah, no, definitely. And that definitely. is a big failing of humanity, that. Yeah, because, I mean, and, and also, like, you know, I, I remember, God, years ago, like maybe 2008, having a chat with someone in a part-time job I was in, and he was talking about kind of end of the world stuff and how we should all stop having children because it was the most selfish thing you could do and everyone, you know, the most ethical thing you could do was, was to kill yourself. And I was, like, listening to this guy <laughs> and thinking, like, he's a bit mental. And, like, now, years later, thinking, okay, I'm not going to kill myself, but in terms of having children, it is, you know, it's a very big, impactful thing to do. But fundamentally, in terms of our, like, biology, in terms of just how bloody sweet and adorable little kids are, it's so sad that those are the kind of conversations, those are the kind of big thoughts we're having, you know. Exactly. Can can we sustain this? Can we afford it? What is this going to do to the planet? You should just be thinking, bloody hell, look at at the size of their toes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't it sad? It is sad, isn't it? And, And I wonder... And again, we can't really ask him now in our age, but our grandparents would be interesting thing. How much thought did you give to kind of like your economical and financial situation when it yeah. came to having kids? Yeah. Because, you know, I, I can imagine it was discussed, but it was just like, we're comfortable, aren't we? Yeah, yeah we should be fine. We'll yeah. kill a pig and we'll have some meat. Yeah, so <laughs> and it was probably just literally that, wasn't it? You know? But now it's the spreadsheets and everything, and like, oh, we we'll have to cut back on this, we we'll have to cut back on that, and you're actually criticising it. Well, if you wouldn't have that pizza, maybe you can have a kid. You know, Jesus, what a what a fucking system to live in. Oh, it's dark as hell. It's dark as hell, and and the pressure on. I mean, I I remember living in a shared house and having chats with the various um like women housemates that lived there, and the kind of pressure from their families in terms of what the expectations were in terms of relationship in terms of children and and these were kind of women in the mid to late 20s maybe even early 30s with very strong expectations from families on them of of what you know they they should be having kids or they should be settling down and and just they weren't you know it wasn't a priority for them or for whatever reason they hadn't been kind of fortunate in the relationships that they've chosen and it's just you know just really sad because i mean people's people's value should be so much more than that if someone wants to have children fair enough you know go for it crack on but whether you're a woman or a man or asexual or whatever the hell you identify as you should fundamentally be so much more than your ability to progenate <laughs> yeah yeah of course of course it's that value what do we value in society isn't it at yeah, the moment exactly. we are programmed probably to the capitalist machine that says your value should be your career, how busy you are, you know, your output, your productivity. Whereby, whereby going back a couple of generations might well have been, you know, well, I mean, a large a family. Of, a lot of the, a lot, I mean, I don't claim to be an expert at all, but there's a lot of, well, not lots, but there's bits of law that I'm studying now 
where you can quite clearly see the origins of it and you can see how it's kind of designed for a certain expectation. So, I mean, just today I was studying some a bit about trust law and essentially there's a particular bit of law that allows you, if you have an interest in a trust, if you're the beneficiary of a trust, to receive a certain amount of that money ahead of time before the trust vests is what they call it. When basically you say, for example, I hold on trust for you, 100 grand for when you turn 35 and you know you want it ahead of time or you want the benefit of it if you were a kid in that position and you get married when you're still a kid you're able to grab that money but if you're not a kid if you're a kid and you haven't married you have to wait until you're an adult and it's like right. i mean i'm not i'm buggering up that explanation because i can't really remember all the different you know bits of law and stuff but essentially that was the message that Having a marriage ad- advantages you, advantages you, not not adv- what the hell, advantages <laughs> you. <laughs> You'll get is that, it, Dan, I believe in you. <laughs> thank you, all the words, um, is a significant advantage. And it's just like, how is that a thing? How can that be a thing? That's not okay. Like, we shouldn't we shouldn't do that to people. <laughs> it's mental, isn't it? It's mental. Yeah, it's, it um, mental. It's, it's very it's, sad. It is, for example. I'm going to ask you a shitbag question. Um, go on, go on. Does somebody who has transitioned have an obligation to tell you before they have sex with you? <laughs> if I'm bent over <laughs> and I can feel a cock at my arsehole. <laughs> you must spread basically. Michelle, what are you doing? <laughs> Michelle... I don't think that's a strap-on. <laughs> um, I mean, like, does someone who... I mean, does, does this conflict? Because if you say yes, does this conflict with what you said? Like, then you can just do whatever. You can call yourself whatever you want. But, but this, this is like this is one of the moments where I'm like so, so, so glad that I'm not um, that I'm not single. Because if I was single, it, it would be so much more of a minefield. Would I mean? Put it, I, I guess, are you asking within that question whether I would date someone who was trans? No. Okay, so you're just purely asking, if you're on going on a date with someone, would you want them to admit what biologically they were born as kind of thing? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll have sex, so yeah, I yeah, yeah, those yeah. two things. I mean, or should they of, kind of like, do they have an ethical... No, I, ethical don't, I, don't, to I don't think they have an ethical duty to disclose that. I think the that kind of thing would come up in conversation depending upon the trust that was built between those two individuals tinder <laughs> one night stand thing where you don't have the dates and you just think oh this person looks really hot let's take, yeah, yeah. take i'll take them back yeah, yeah well i mean would you and then you you have sex with them and yeah. that you find out that in the morning actually michelle used to would you feel in any way like, yeah, how would that make you feel? I think or would you I just would, be like, oh, that was sound? My instinct is that I'd feel pretty weird about it. Um, but it does sort of make you sort of think like, well, if you enjoyed it and, you know, like what is, what is the importance there? Like, you know, you enjoyed it, you got on with them. But then I'm like. What if it was bad? I know I'm being a shitbag here, but uh, I'm just I'm just getting you to think about is yeah, there yeah, a line? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting to think like what is there a line? Um, yeah. 
I, I, I'm not certainly know what the answer is. My gut feeling is, for some reason, is I think, well, of course they should tell you, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't really know why and, and where it's coming from. Um, is it just because we're just on this journey and in two generations' time, it'll just be like, yeah, they could be, they could have been born anything type thing. And it'll just be like this total acceptance of, of like, yes, I fancy that person more. Than I mean, are you, are you sort of, are you sort of assuming in that situation that they're like post-op and they've been living in their assumed identity for a certain period of time? Um, no, I'm not necessarily assuming that. Because, no. because obviously because... it'll be a way of of being more, uh, you know, unclear. Obviously that that they are, you know. But the, but for for me, like one of the things that I like about a naked body is a vagina, and if I was on a date with someone and there's beautiful woman and then they take off their clothes and it's a beautiful woman but they have a penis i would then be less attracted because i'm not a big fan of men's penises generally so <laughs> that but kind it of... was that time in 2003 <laughs> where you saw it's, it's enough about my uncle shut up to <laughs> <laughs> so the record my uncles have never bummed me <laughs> to the best of my knowledge <laughs> you know um but yeah but, you know i'm always going to be a shitbag here and say well they could you know end up giving you oral sex or something and you never find it. out this you know there's it. always this kind of thing but but yeah, I think that there has to be. Yeah, I think for some reason, I, I think you probably feel the same way that you'd like to know. I mean, my my overall instinct is that there cannot be an absolute ethical duty. I think partly because I just don't feel comfortable with myself being the arbiter for that because it just doesn't make sense. But if it, you know, in terms of my own personal level of comfort, if I was in a conversation with someone and I had reason to believe. Or subjectively did believe that they may not be the gender identity that they were presenting as or that you know perhaps there was more under the covers then that's probably or less. That <laughs> or less or indeed less i'd bring that up in conversation and i'd, I'd have a chat with them about it because it's uh it's one of those where there, there needs to be i mean i guess it also depends on what you're looking for and and i think i'm quite i'm fairly straight so it would be probably more important to me than it would be to say for someone who's a bit more bendy and open-minded. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> nice choice of words there, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah use, use of the, the lack of the use of the word bent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just what this podcast episode was missing, that. You just filled it right in. <laughs> a question back at you, if you were single. Yeah, I... I, I I touched it. I think. I think, not to cop out, but I feel like I want would want to know. I think you, you'd you'd like to think, and I don't know why. I think this that it would have been made clear early doors. Mm. Um, but I, I can't help but feel that if, for example, you'd do the deed and then you'd find out, I couldn't help but think that I, for again, rightly or wrongly, would feel. Uh, what's the word? I don't know what the word is. Would feel a Betrayed. bit. Well, maybe not that strong. It would. I would feel a bit. Ooh, yeah, probably slightly. It kind of was a bit disingenuous type thing, and that mm. would only be kind of kind of kind of fair to to kind of front up. 
But again, I think it it, it is com- comes down to being in that place where we're, we're kind of learning. Yeah, I yeah, suppose what sure. the no- what the norms are because there are no norms because they they've not been there's not been you know a a history of, of experiencing this really has there. Yeah. And I think I think it would be really interesting to hear the answer for that particular question from someone who's maybe a bit younger than us and has grown up in a slightly different time because I feel you know we are of a generation where the concept of trance wasn't really that well known or explored like my idea of trance was a bloke who liked dressing up for shits and giggles and you know he's kind of caught in his wife's underwear rather than someone who's wanting to identify as a, uh, a woman. exactly yeah even yeah. though you'd, you'd laugh at that man but maybe that was the only thing that they could do to actually feel like their true self looking yeah, back exactly. it's like that exactly. being gay in the playground you know yeah. all over yeah, again yeah. isn't it you know yeah like, exactly, and it's all exactly. damage and those people bless them yeah exactly exactly and and you know the the school systems that allowed that to pr- proliferate because yeah you know, right I, th- I think you know the amount of bullying and and sort of expectations around that is you know large, down in in large part to the schools and the culture that the the head teachers and the head the heads generally kind of uh, dictated, which is which is sad. I mean, hopefully we've moved on, um, but it'd be interesting. Perhaps a, a guest for a future episode, we could uh, trans person would be a good idea. It would be fantastic. Yeah, it would be. So. My topic, your final thought, bringing yeah. all those various threads oh, together in a beautiful yeah. tapestry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll curl a big fucking shit on top of the tapestry then, probably. Um, yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of like chat upon it, really. And um, it's interesting because I know we didn't touch much on the kind of male side of point of it because it's, it's, you know, it's easy for us, isn't it, to talk about, as I say, white males. But I do think the question of gender and the expectation uh, is, is, you know, I don't use this word, but is fluid for, at the moment, for everyone. If it is trans, LGBTQ+, male and female, we're all going through these and ask probably, and probably maybe not asking ourselves the question, but just like feeling this anxiety and, and doubt about our duties and what we do. Uh, and I think it's just, again, going back to it, it's because we're living through this generational shift where we're actually going through that period of setting up those norms, really. It's not going to be pretty mm-hmm. and we're going to suffer through it. Everything is going to kind of change very quickly, unfortunately, rightly or wrongly. But I think what what what, what keeps you going is the people power, isn't it? We've just had the the trade union strikes and obviously a lot of people have had those trade, those settlements now from pay. You know, and you yeah, barely hear yeah, about yeah. those now, don't you, in the news? <laughs> and I think it is the people power that have caused this change as well. So it's it's kind of, you just got to hang your hope on that, I think, and, and find that, you know, it is a positive to kind of go on it. Because, you know, if we can improve the lives of other people without it having any detrimental impact on your own life, then isn't that like the easiest and simplest thing that we should just do? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Easy wins. That, Easy that wins. would be the last sentence, I suppose, yeah. But thank you, it's been good to to discuss it really actually I've enjoyed it has been a good one has been a good one Hulvaud Hulvaud ta-ta-da-da